We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lekumski coming to you uh, from my home in New Athens, Illinois, and I have with me Pastor Peter yes. Hill. Hi, uh, I get to be back. Hi, Hi. I'm so excited <laughs> to get to be back, back again. <laughs> had so much fun last week. Yes. Let's do it again. Let's do it a second time. Yes, this is this is Reverend Peter Hill with us, and and, and Peter's actually coming from his kitchen. How about that? Indeed. Uh, every once in a while, they let me out of church and I and I go home. Uh, but it's it's great to get to be back and wrestle with the basics again, and to to think about God's word and the ways that it impacts our lives. Because the basics, they're basic, sure, but they're profound. And uh, just like in anything, if you get the basics uh, just a little off kilter, it really messes with the whole thing. I'm a huge baseball fan. John, I think you are too, where, you know, if you watch somebody make a mistake and, you know, the shortstop uh, sets his feet up wrong and he throws the ball into right field and all of a sudden everything's gone helter-skelter, uh, we can do the same thing with our faith where... Um, you, you've watched me play baseball, detail. have you? I, uh, apparently. Uh, yeah. A little bit of inattention to detail and all of a sudden everything goes wrong. Uh, the basics, they may be basic, but they're never forgotten and they're never gone. And, and thank you for reminding me. We maybe should tell people what they are listening to. Uh, this is wrestling, wrestling with, with the basics. With basics. Uh, it, it took it took Matt and I years to get even close. So <laughs> everyone knows what we're talking about. And and we have a very basic issue that is also appropriate to the season. Uh, we are now in the season of Advent, and, and one of the things the church uh, loves to talk about uh, is the fact Jesus comes at Christmas. But guess what? He's coming again. And so, Peter, you said you'd like to talk about the return of Jesus. Tell, tell me why. why. Why is it you want to talk about the return? I, I know you like to talk about Jesus all the time, and, well, and part of why I like you. Part of it has to do with this. You mentioned the season of Advent. Well, what in the world is yeah. that even? Advent is just oh, the fancy Latin word for coming. And so, so it's easy for us to talk about Advent is the time when we get ready for the coming of Jesus in the manger. And there's certainly a place for that in the last couple of weeks of Advent really take on that flavor. But the first couple of weeks of Advent, I mean, you show up to church and it's blue and or violet or, or whatever color you have in your church and you have the Advent wreath out and you think, oh good, it's time to start singing the Christmas songs. And all of a sudden the gospel reading is Jesus coming into Jerusalem on a donkey and it has nothing to do with <laughs> Christmas at all. And the next week you get <laughs> John Easter the Baptist what are we showing doing that. I know. And yeah. then you get John the Baptist showing up and he was cranky and he wants everybody to repent uh, before the coming of the Lord in glory. And uh, the Advent season can be talked about in terms of how Jesus comes, certainly at Christmas, how Jesus comes to us each week in his word and in his sacraments, and how Jesus comes again at the end of time. And so part of it is, you know, kind of working on all these sermons, getting ready for, for the Advent season. It really seems like we should be talking about this. And 
just like somebody might, uh, you know, your shortstop might accidentally throw the ball into right field if he takes his eye off the first baseman. Sometimes when we start talking you about the end of the world, in, Peter, it was a mistake. I made it once. I would not make okay, it the next sorry, time. Sorry, sorry. All right. Okay. Uh, but we uh, sometimes we take our eyes off of off of Jesus, and we start to think about the end of the world. And we look at you know all those all those end of the world movies, you know the zombie apocalypse movies, or the uh, <laughs> the asteroids going to come hit the Earth movies, or I don't know. Pick pick a movie about the end of the world, and they're all terrible, uh, and they're all very scary. Should Christians be afraid hey, hey, wait, about the Peter, end of the world? Peter, Peter, just a second. Oh. I mean, that's that's all from Revelation. I'm telling you that that's scary. We just got through doing that, and that's got a lot of scary stuff about the end of the world. But but I I, I agree with your point. See, because because Revelation is also about keeping your eyes on the Lamb. Exactly. That's the whole thing. As all this other stuff is going on, no, no, you just keep your eyes on the Lamb because that's what it's all going to be about in the end. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, oh. but what I, what I would like to do is, is you suggested that we should go to a text that actually talks about the return of Jesus, and, and what I'd like to do is start reading from that text. You tell me what verses you want me to read. Perfect. And I tell you why, why Peter chose this particular text, because, yeah, in Revelation, there are a lot of things, and we're not really sure. They're hard to understand. We're going to talk about next week, by the way, one of the really difficult things uh, that that people think dispensationalism and the rapture and stuff, but but as you said at the beginning, we need to start with the basics. You don't start with the obscure stuff and the difficult stuff and try to figure it out. No, you start with the fundamentals and the basics, and then you go to the difficult stuff. So Peter, you have directed us what I think is the clearest, most precise description of what's going to happen with Jesus' return at the end. Matthew twenty-five verse thirty-one and following for those who are following at home. How much of that do you want me to read to start off with? Oh, well, let's maybe let's try to read the whole thing, and, and then we'll just interrupt the story as we go, as we go as we need to, if that's okay with you. Okay, that's fine with me. So you're one of those guys that wants to read the whole thing. Okay, all right. As long as you promise me you'll interrupt at some point. Absolutely, you have my word. Okay, all right. Well, here we have it, and again, this is the basics. This is what's going to happen at the end. So if anybody tells you something that's different, you're thinking. I don't know. You, you, you got it wrong. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop, he, stop, oh, stop, stop. Good, thank we, you. We already, have, we already have something to point out. Sometimes people will talk sure. to me and they'll say, this is the parable of the sheep and the goats. Um, well, not really. Um, because a parable would be like when the son of man, uh, uh, comes in his glory, he will be like a, a shepherd or he will be like a king. Um, but it doesn't start there. It starts with, this is how it's going to be. The son of man is going to come and he is going to sit on his glorious throne. And that's not figurative. That's the way it's really going to happen. That's the real McCoy, baby. Uh, Jesus is going to show up and he's going to be there. Um, and then when he does the separating, That'll be like a, like a shepherd separating sheep and goats. By the way, John, you know how a, a shepherd, uh, sometimes I guess sheep and goats start to look a lot alike, I'm told? You know how they tell the difference? I, I don't know, Peter. How do you tell the difference between a sheep no, and a goat? I, I, somebody in my congregation has, has goats, and they taught me this. Uh, sheep have tails that go Goats have tails that go down. You have to go and look at their, look at their backside and see what direction their tail points <laughs> to figure out if it's a sheep or if it's a goat. Uh, <laughs> 
things that, things that pastors don't know, but love to be told. I made a note of that. Hey, now, which was it, though? The sheep are up and the goats the sheep, are down, Sheep right? are up and goats are down. Yep. Okay, good, good. But I think, I think we're probably so there... okay to go back to the text as long as we understand okay. that it's, this is well. really going to happen, and it's not just a, it's not just a giant figure of speech. Um, Jesus is really going to come again, and he's really going to separate two groups of people like a shepherd separates sheep and goats. So, so we have the image, no doubt. We have the image of sheep and, and goats, and we now know how you tell the difference. But no, this is a reality. I do have a question to ask you because there's two ways of running this uh, gathered all the nations. Uh, I, and, and I don't know that we can say for sure, but I'm interested in what your opinion is. So, so I always read this as it's everybody. Okay, it's all the nations. So everyone throughout the history of the world now is brought before uh, the Son of Man and his throne. But I had read another interpretation that what we're talking about here are, are that people in the church, this is the people in the church that are being addressed particularly, uh, and, and because this is the nations, as Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations. So do you have a feeling one way or another? Is this all people, unbelievers, uh, or is it just the people in the church now being separated out from each other, from, from the, the believers, from the hypocrites in the church? Does that question make any sense, Peter? It does. I've not I've not heard that second understanding where where it talks about nations and it's it's uh, meant to be the church. It does make a, a certain amount of sense, but I I think in the default I would go towards um, everybody is going to stand before the Lord in judgment based on this reading, but also on readings from Hebrews uh, that all shall die and then they shall uh, stand before the judgment uh, and and other readings like that. But and, I think that see, all I, of us I, get I a like... little bit defensive. The second that you say, wait, you're not, you're not in the chosen um, going to heaven group, and, and we're going to get into that, uh, everybody says, wait a minute, I think I deserve to get in there. If you are uh, somebody who goes to church regularly but without faith, you're going to be just as defensive as somebody who maybe has a different religion or no religion who says, but I still think I deserve to get there where the good stuff is. Well, let's see. And, and right there, there's your problem. Because <laughs> I can tell you right now, if you think you deserve it, you I don't have to look at your tail because you are you are you are a goat. <laughs> you know, Augustine said the only only perfect person is the one who knows he isn't perfect. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So we've got we've got it. And and again, I, I'm with you. I've always thought that this is just a gathering of everybody in the final judgment. And certainly there is going to be a judgment for everyone. Uh, although there are some people who would argue this is the particular judgment of those who have claimed to be Christians. And we can talk about later on where, where, where they think that. Um, but now we got verse 33, because you're right. This is a definite thing. There's no mixing them up here together. And he will place the sheep on the right, but his goats on the left. Uh, any comment about that, or we'll go on to I why think we're good. you're on the right and why you're on the left. Okay, then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now, Peter, Oh, there's I, I some great words here. Yeah. Why? Yes, yes. Yeah. Why are so, you on the right? How is it we ended up on the right? So Jesus starts with these, these two words that you don't get to do for yourself, you receive. So first he says, yes. blessed. You guys who are blessed, well, you don't bless yourself. You receive a blessing from somebody else. Uh, last week, we talked about, you know, there's grammarians who listen, maybe both of them. 
Uh, and we are uh, the we are the number one show for grammarians on campus. Oh, okay. By the way. Awesome. Their well, surveys so, have been done. Oh, okay. Great. So I'm in the right place. But when we so this is a passive verb. Blessed is you get it from outside of you. Inherit is another passive verb. You get it from outside of you. You you aren't really the subject of the verb. You aren't doing the doing. You're getting the doing. Uh, in those highly gr- grammatical words that I love to use. <laughs> Yes. Um, and so the grammarians are, are cringing right now, Peter, but that's okay. We understand what you're saying. We we receive and we are blessed and we inherit because of uh, the work of God for us. He has prepared the kingdom for us uh, from before the foundation of the world, and he is giving it to us and we are receiving his blessing, not because of, not, not because we've done something great, um, but because it's God's to give away, and he's giving it to those on his right. P- Peter, have you ever received an inheritance? I have. It's, it, thanks be to I, God. I have two wonderful gifts. Well, and you know, there's one thing, there's only one thing that needs to happen for you to receive an inheritance. And what is that, Peter? Somebody's got to die, which is kind of bittersweet. Yeah, I know. Uh, terrible. I just, know. No, it's not bittersweet. It's bitter. But but as Christians, we're thinking, yeah, well, that's exactly what happened. Jesus died. Now we get an inheritance. If he hadn't done that, if he hadn't given up his life for you and me, there is no inheritance. But because of that, yeah, exactly. And, and I don't you love the fact that when did he when did he plan this out? After we did all of these works that we're going to mention here in just a moment? No, that was before the foundation of the world. That was already yeah. set up. It was all. This has always been the plan. It's always been the plan that the people on the Lord's right will be his people and be his treasured possession. What a gift, man. Oh. So so the thing is, right off the right off the bat, it's all about faith. That that's why you're on the right, because you were given faith by the Holy Spirit and you understand Christ has died for you. You understand that it is God who has blessed you. You haven't blessed yourself. You understand this is how he did this from the foundation of the world, which, oh man, if, if we had time, we should do that, that whole election thing. But I don't think we'll get to that. Um, shall I read on? Is there anything else you want to say about this? Yeah, let's, let's keep verse? going. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. And, and, and by the way, Peter, those that want to opt that this is a, a church thing, this is for people who are, call themselves Christians, uh, they point out that, that elsewhere Jesus said, you know, you, you gave the one I sent a drink and, and then you're going to get blessed. Uh, so they're thinking, well, these are people then that are Christian and they've welcomed the missionaries and what have you. Well, Whatever. I don't know if I'd buy that or not, but I thought it's an interesting interpretation. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Want to talk about that or shall I go on to the surprising response? Well, those are all really good things. We would assume that just everybody would do that, right? You're all going to look out. Um, but the surprise ending is is a really big deal. I think I think we're ready for the surprise ending here. Yeah, so then the righteous, and by the way, that's the faith word too, isn't it, Peter? The righteous will live by faith. I think it says that in the Old and the New Testament. And I, the righteous... Wait, John, I'm faith. sorry, I lied. Go ahead. I, I had something I wanted to say, and I, and I forgot. Oh, good. Well, you're forgiven. When Jesus says, I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. Uh, when when was Jesus these things? Um, and and we 
it it calls attention not just to uh, a stranger or to a hungry person to, or to a thirsty person, but it focuses our attention. And Jesus says, it's all about me. When were you paying attention to me? Uh, and so, so this isn't just good works for the sake of good works. This isn't helping an old lady across the street kind of stuff. Jesus is saying, you were called to help me. And so, when, and, and this is the time to say, when, when have we focused our attention on Jesus? And, and we're right to say we're sinners. We often take our eyes off of Jesus. We need to be reminded to put our attention on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Um, but Jesus is coming and saying, it's all about paying attention to me, um, which, which is kind of alarming. At least if you look at my life and my prayers and my scripture reading, they're, not, they're far from perfect. Uh, and this becomes really terrifying. And then you look at how I treat other people, and it gets even more terrifying. And, and yet, and yet, Peter, here's the comfort, because what you've just said is how you need to respond. <laughs> okay. So if, so if you get to the final judgment and you're saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I did all of those things. <laughs> no, no, then you're, you're, again, we don't need to look at your tail. We know you're going to be on the left with the goats <laughs> okay because exactly. that's not what the sheep say that's not what the sheep say uh but but thank you for reminding us that we love because he first loved us uh of course the sad thing is we understand we don't always love <laughs> because he first loved us yeah that's the whole repentance thing we've talked about last week uh but here's the answer uh and then the righteous again the righteous will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you in sick or in prison and visit you? Uh, so absolutely no thought at all that we were here because of works we've done. Uh, Jesus, we took our eye off the them. ball. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, that's, that's kind of, yeah. 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 And you know that, because I, I can give you any number of instances where I saw somebody that was hungry and thirsty, and I said, I'm a pastor. I'm too busy for that. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I've got really important God stuff to do. <laughs> uh, and the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Now, that's the, the people that want to advocate that this is a, a church parable, not a uh, population in general privacy, that's they would go with that. See, you're talking about how you treat your brothers in faith. Uh, but again, I, I don't know whether I like that or not, but it's, it's rolling roll around my head, as you can see. So what, what, do we, what do we need to get from this, though, Peter, here? So Jesus says, no, no, when you did for, for the least of these, you did for me. Um, when you serve them, you are serving me. And the fact that you don't recognize that you're serving me is is inconsequential because you are doing these actions of faith. I think here borrowing from from James is really helpful when he says that faith without works is dead. Uh, and he says some people will say, "Show me your faith, and I'll show you my work." Or some people will say, "Show me your your works, and I'll show you my faith." Uh, like like they have a get out of jail free card because they have faith. Um, and his response is, "No, I will show you my faith by my works. Uh, works and faith go together." And so when you believe in Jesus and when you keep your eye on, the, on him, he will continue to give you those opportunities to serve him in faithful Christian service um, as you care for the least of these 
And when you care for the least of them, you are living out and practicing your faith directed towards Jesus. And so it's not that you can separate your works from, from your faith, because they just flow together. And, and, and isn't it great to know that it's not because you did something really, really tremendous, like give a million dollars to a, an orphanage, or because you, you did some tremendous work that got your name in the newspaper, but it's just because you did common, decent things. You saw somebody in need, and you helped them, and you didn't think at all about, oh, this is some great religious work I'm doing. So I can get to heaven, but just, man, the guy's in, he's hungry. Why, why would I not give him something to eat? He's thirsty. Why would I not give him something to drink? And you're right. It, it's just such a beautiful, freeing thing because we don't worry about rewards. We're not concerned about punishment. It's just, man, people need to be loved and we're loving them. And we're doing it because we know that Jesus Christ has loved us that way. Uh, never asked about whether we deserved it or earned it. Uh, should I read on, Peter? Anything yeah, let's more go to say on. about that? All right. Then he will say to those on his left, whose tails are down, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. You want to say anything about that? Otherwise, I, I want to say something about that. Go for it. Well, I just, uh, this is not from me. This is from C.S. Lewis. He, he, he points out that, no, he, God had no desire to send people to hell. That wasn't the plan. He didn't prepare the eternal fire for us. Now, we're going there. We're not, we're not going to be like those people who say, oh, there is no hell, because it's pretty clear that there is. But you need to understand, no, that was, that was for the devil, because the devil didn't want to be in heaven. And, uh, <laughs> you know, think about that, Peter. Here he is. He's challenging God. He can't even make a place for himself to live. So God says, okay, I'll make a place for you. And sad to say, uh, people will end up there. But I think it's important to note, it really wasn't prepared for humans. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. Shall I read on? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For for I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me naked, and you did not clothe me sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will answer, also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? It wasn't us, Jesus. We didn't, we didn't make a mistake. Uh, I think this is uh, the, the innate defensiveness. Of, of every sinful person. No, no, that wasn't my mistake. I didn't know it was you. If I would have known it was you, I would have done it. Uh, oh, sure. Uh, uh, yeah. how, how often would a child say, Mom, if I knew you were listening outside the door, I wouldn't have said that. I, well. <laughs> yeah, especially since you were listening outside the door. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, and But he, here we want to say, it's not my fault. I shouldn't be judged. Um, and, and that's part of our sinful condition. Uh, but, uh, Jesus says, but you didn't do it. My love has not filled you, be it those who wanted to call yourselves part of the church or those of you who wanted to go your own way and be part of a, of a different faith. Uh, you didn't serve me when I gave you the opportunity and when I was there before you. And so there is no defense for you and for your, for your lack of love for your neighbor and for your lack of love for me. Uh, Jesus makes no excuses for these folks, and he will accept no excuses either. And, and, and the thing is, Peter, you know, if, if Jesus would say that to you or me and, and to our listeners, we would all say, yeah, yeah. We've done, we, you're right. We didn't but this do these isn't, things. We sinned. 
And and then of course the Lord would say, and this is why I died, because you're forgiven. That's why what, what it's all about. And that's exactly. why I can say and yeah, this is some why will this go is eternal scary. punishment. But the that's right. It's not scary because the righteous will go into eternal life. But as long as you remember, as we've been pointing out, Peter, you're righteous not because you did these things, but rather you did these things because you are righteous, because you have the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. The righteous um, indeed live by faith, and that's where we hang our hat and our hope, and and that's our great comfort. Even in the light of knowing that Jesus is coming again to judge us, we say, yeah, that's true, he is coming to do that. And we have hope and confidence and faith that our Lord Jesus loves us and will account us righteous like he did for Abraham. He will do for us because of the blood of Jesus and the faith he has given us. And this has been Wrestling, Wrestling with, with the, the Basics. The Basics.